My name is Dana Leroy. I'm the communications manager for NACTA. And from the national office staff, we hope that you, your families, and your own staff are all doing well and staying safe. Today's session is called Own a Moment in Time, a Roadmap for Athletics Departments During Unprecedented Times. We are fortunate to have Dan Megala as our presenter. Dan has a great history with us here at NACTA and NACMA. He's a co-founder and partner of Forefront, a company focused on driving both traditional and non-traditional revenue growth in the sports and entertainment industries. Dan has worked for or advised virtually every level of sports franchises on issues related to marketing, non-traditional revenue generation, sponsorship, technology, ticket sales, and using analytics to drive revenue growth. Before we get started, for today's live attendees, if you have a question during the webinar, you may send it through the questions drop-down window on the webinar dashboard. We will address your questions periodically throughout the presentation. As a reminder, a recording of this webinar will be made available to all NACTA and affiliates members via the NACTA Daily Review. And with that, I'll turn it over to Dan. Well, great. Well, uh, uh... Thank you so much, Dana. Um, thank you, Bob and Chris and the, the larger NACTA family um, for this opportunity. Um, if I can, I wanted to start out with a, with a broad thank you. Um, you know, thank you to all of the collegiate administrators uh, that are choosing to spend this hour with us. Um, so grateful to be part of the collegiate community more than ever before. Um, and if I can, maybe a little backstory on how this session came to be. Um, and go way back uh, and give gratitude to, to two people in particular. Um, uh, in the mid-90s, I was a college student at the University of Missouri, and I met a man named Roger Valdisari, who many of you in college athletics will know. Uh, Roger is the longtime SID at Notre Dame at the time, um, a NACMA Hall of Famer, and one of the 100 most influential people in college football. When I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, he recommended that I come to NACTA. Uh, and I came to NACTA in Reno, 1997. Um, he may have helped me out with a badge uh, to get into uh, you know, that, uh, that trip. And I was just so forever grateful uh, to be welcomed there. And when I got there, uh, my very first NACTA, my very first college marketing meeting, I stood there kind of pretending to be busy like we do sometimes you know, when we don't know a lot of people around. And a gentleman by the name of Daryl Lanis, uh, who was then the marketing director at uh, Baylor Athletics, just came up to me, literally put his arm around me and said, hey, I'm, I'm Daryl. Um, this is your first NACA. And we went to a session and um, Daryl's become a tremendous friend. And I was reflecting on that. And those were some scary moments, right, early in your career when you're trying to figure out what you want to do. Um, going to an environment, um, not knowing a lot of people, um, but those were made better for me personally because of the college community and in particular uh, because of NACTA. Roger actually helped me get my first job, and when I went to thank him, he said, don't thank me. When you're in a position down the road to give back, please do. So, um, you know, a big part of Roger's and uh, Daryl's heart inspired me uh, to reach out to Bob, Chris, Dana in this moment uh, to give back um, to all of you. So today's really all about the college community, the spirit of NACTA, and, and a lot of the things that were true to its forefront, where we have access to teams and leagues around the world 
to maybe aggregate some of those learnings of what we're seeing, what we've learned from past unprecedented times, and how we can help translate, uh, educate, inspire, and collaborate, and frankly, have a little fun. So uh, before we get into it, I, I told Dana um, in the prep for this, um, uh, years later, Roger got into the NACMA Hall of Fame, and I got to give his acceptance speech, and I was really nervous, and I had a speeching coach that helped me prepare for it. And he said, you know, when in, when in doubt, just imagine all the attendees in their underwear. So uh, now that you guys are working from home, uh, I hope there's a couple people that are really going COVID-19 business casual uh, today. And a shout out to you for the, uh, for the inspiration. So with that, I um, want to dive into um, uh, our overview. So if you guys are familiar with us, I know there's a lot of friends on the line. Um, you know, I think we're just tremendous fans of the business of college uh, athletics. We work with schools uh, of all levels um, and take great pride in the spirit of innovation. We've also just got a passionate group of people across our offices that, frankly, really are committed um, to making sure that um, uh, college athletics continues to succeed in this moment in time. Um, a little bit about what we do, and I think this will be our approach. Um, I think the biggest thing that you need to know about us is we're revenue generators that use technology. So we're very adept at the use of analytics and digital media um, to drive revenue, as well as kind of the heartbeat, um, you know, the innovative strategies that I think you guys are going to see today that we hope that you can take to your own organizations in this moment in time. Um, this is just a few of who we work for. Um, in current moments. So we've got great perspective at the NCAA level, our conference partners, our teams, and even bowl games as well. So um, we're trying uh, to basically translate to you all in, um, in the best way possible. So um, what I want everybody to do a little bit as an exercise, if we were running this um, at a NACTA session or right before, um, you know, everything happened, our team was leading some sessions for the Big Ten in Indianapolis, I just want you to, to visualize your home opener for a second. Um, and in a quiet moment with yourself or your staff, um, write down in this moment in time what your biggest hope is for your uh, home opener. Um, how do you visualize it being better than ever? Um, and, and what are those variables that you can start to think about a roadmap? And we're going to come back to this. So it's a great exercise that we look to do from a hope standpoint of what is your single biggest hope uh, as an individual and then as a department, um, you know, when you look ahead, what is that biggest hope that you have? So that's your first homework assignment. I'm a home teacher to a, a five and a three-year-old right now. So um, uh, hopefully we'll come back to that homework assignment shortly. Um, the way that we're going to outline today is really break this down into four downs, um, uh, you know, just like you would in a football game um, and break it down. And what we thought that was a really good mindset for you all is we know spring practice is traditionally, um, you know, part of your calendar. And what we wanted to think about for the first phase of today is to imagine this is your business, your marketing, your administrative, external relations, this is your spring practice. Um, it's going to be a little bit different this year. Um, and what are the keys that you need as you think about your plan for this upcoming season 
to be able to do. Um, what I wanted to share with you um, also too on these headwinds, it's really about communication. Let's admit, um, you're not next to your coworkers. I've heard some funny stories about um, teaching some ADs uh, Zoom uh, for the first time and going through the maneuvering of um, adjusting to that world. Um, focus. Frankly, where do you focus your time? Um, in a traditional college world, you guys are juggling a lot of spring events. And, you know, this is going to be a little bit different this year. And there's a wonderful opportunity to create some alignment coming out of your business spring practice and put a focus. Um, we're going to spend some time on your playbook um, and thinking about, you know, the revenue challenges and also the revenue opportunities that you have. And then we love this analogy, um, make every down count um, from a marketing and business perspective and how you can start to build your, uh, your practice, um, your strategy, and really your offensive plan uh, to be able to do that. So I think those are some great broad tenants if, if we're your coach of things to start to think about. Now, internally, um, this was interesting. Uh, I think in that same spirit of giving, translating, um, when everything started to trend in the way that it did for sports uh, right around March 11th, me personally, um, in just that desire that Roger and Daryl really taught me, how can we help? Um, I immediately got on the phone and I talked to friends and colleagues that had worked at other unprecedented moments in sports. Um, would have talked to the C-level leadership um, from the Oakland A's during the um, earthquake series of the late 80s. A lot of 9-11 conversations. Katrina, we work with the New Zealand rugby, how they handled the earthquake um, from a few years ago, um, and even some descendants of Major League Baseball C-level executives from World War II, and basically ask them for advice internally. What would they do differently? Um, what were the lessons that they learned? And this is basically the five things that all of them universally said um, in alignment. So imagine me as your coach writing this on a chalkboard at a spring practice. Communication is key um, and, and understanding everything that's going on. Um, this line of brute force, uh, and I think the context there is don't sugarcoat things with your staff. Don't sugarcoat things with your student athletes. Be brutally honest right now, and people will really appreciate that. And I think that was some lessons of controlling um, what you can control, which we'll get to in a second. Um, that transparency becomes really key. Uh, a lot of us, um, you know, uh, operate from a mindset of kind of deliver bad news early. Uh, you want to be as transparent as possible, especially with this distance um, from the office and, and everything. How do you get that communication out? And then, frankly, control what you can control. Um, I know a lot of you guys are, um, you know, it's a moving target for scheduling. Um, and what are the elements that are in your control that you can right now? Keep your focus there um, and be ready. And then obviously we're all human beings, right? So I think the spirit of compassion um, is really key. And I think these are wonderful things to share when you have some meetings of how do we reinvent our department a little bit in this moment in time around these five elements um, and learning from, frankly, 
the shared experience of your colleges or your colleagues from other sports around the world when they've been through other situations. Um, and then individually, um, you know, I would tell you all, talking to all of those people, um, a lot of them would have been in their first job and then they evolved to a higher position, um, how they navigated that situation. And probably the number one thing on an individual level um, coming out of this moment in time is traditionally, I think we all live in a fairly routine world. Uh, and, and I love this analogy. Uh, a lot of you guys know Stedman Graham, who works with a lot of athletic departments on identity. And in a traditional world, Stedman really teaches us um, that we live in a fixed mindset. We wake up on a Monday morning. We feed our kids the same kind of breakfast. We drive the same way to work. We've got the same staff meeting. Um, we dust off last year's uh, marketing plan um, and uh, update it. And that's really a fixed mindset that sometimes, if we're being honest with ourselves, um, we can be a little bit robotic um, in the things that we do. And I think what Stedman has really taught me, and I think is an incredible opportunity for everybody in college athletics right now, individually, how do you embrace a growth mindset? Um, how do you start to change your habits of what can we do with this moment in time? How do we move forward? How do we embrace new audiences? Um, and how do we have a greater impact than ever before? Um, and I think it's a tremendous thing to think about. Um, uh, we had a running joke on our team of like, uh, in a traditional world, you might drive a different way to work um, just to free up that creativity. So maybe you walk down your stairs a different way right now um, with, uh, with some pun intended there um, to be able to mix it up. But I think if you can do those two things as a department, um, you know, manage um, with that communication, brute force, transparency, control what you can control and have some compassion um, for your teammates. And then you all individually uh, embrace a growth mindset starting today. Um, there's a wonderful open road for you. Um, so that is the end of the, uh, call it the first down. Um, and what I wanted to do right now is um, turn it back over to Dana um, for any questions that might have come up that we can answer in real time, especially with that focus, frankly, around um, your internal mindsets uh, before we start to transfer to the external. Thanks, Dan. Um, just a reminder to attendees, if some of you joined late, there is a question drop-down panel in the um, webinar platform, so you can use that to type questions in real time. Um, Dan, if we could just continue on with your last thought about the growth mindset, um, can you elaborate on maybe some specific ideas that you have or you've seen for an athletics department to embrace the growth mindset and carry that forward? Um, and is that different based on the size of the institution? Um, you know, no, and I can, I can tell you, um, on the size of the institution, you know, what's interesting is we work with, um, schools at all levels, um, D3, D1, um, and everybody in between. I can tell you in a traditional world, a lot of times the D3 schools will say, well, the D1s have resources that we don't. And then the D1 schools will say to the D3 schools, you guys can be more nimble. So, 
I think whether regardless what size institution you are, being nimble, adaptable, and looking at growth strategies now more than ever is incredibly important. Um, and then what I would think about if you guys are thinking about um, a Zoom session or a brainstorm session with your own team um, is think about um, right now, what is one thing that really um, uh, keeps you up at night? And then what is one thing that gets you up in the morning from an external perspective? And then embrace a growth mindset, frankly, with some of the lessons that we're going to see of what could we do um, and do something that's never been done before, um, really embracing that growth mindset versus, you know, maybe in the past, um, I've been a part of, uh, you know, teams and organizations even working in-house um, where sometimes, oh, yeah, we don't want to disrupt that program. That's the way we've always done it. Um, and I think part of embracing that growth mindset is is moving before with that. So before we move to the the second down, any any other questions for the first down? Um, and then we'll we'll pause in between each of these sessions, and then um, you know certainly at the end have time for a larger Q and A as well. So um, you know, uh, uh, team, if you if you can indulge me. As, as much as you can, um, try in the second down to embrace just a normal world. Uh, we're running a session um, and you're really challenged with maybe embracing a period of time where you're tasked with doing something that's never been done before. Uh, I can tell you personally, it's my favorite thing to work on. Um, and I think for each of you, um, I want you all to feel this of what's around the corner in your career. And I want to walk you through how we traditionally manage this process. When you're looking to come up with that breakthrough idea um, and you're looking to collate and create something that's never been done before, how you can take what we've learned from designing these and applying it to this unique moment in time. So um, uh, this visual that you see, it's a little old, um, but he's our alter ego um, in every innovation strategy that we've done of doing something that's never been done before. Uh, some of you sports historians uh, will recognize this gentleman is Roger Bannister, who was the first person that ever broke the four minute mile. Um, and I want you to think about that. Um, you know, with what your task ahead, how are you gonna do something that's never been done before for your department, for your conference, for your fans, for your alumni, for your student athlete, and I think if we can kind of borrow the heart, mind, and plan of Roger Bannister, you guys are going to be crossing the finish line in under four-minute miles, um, you know, come when we get around the corner here. So what we typically like to look at is something that Roger really taught us, and it's this vision of a disciplined sprint. And what a disciplined sprint means is you are going to move so incredibly fast. I think one of my favorite lines that I've learned um is the last two days felt like a really long year um i think as we go through this process the concept of time is on our side but we're also fighting against it and the sooner that you can commit and get almost like i'm sure there's a lot of marathon runners out there a disciplined sprint and start to think about what moments what ideas do we want to create and own 
in that headline of doing something that's never been done before, I think you will look back and you will run a more consistent mile time. You're going to be able to get ahead of the curve. And we want you to almost fill in this goal. Um, start to almost have a marathon training plan of the little things that you can do on a daily basis that create those big wins. Um, these are some examples that we thought were really relevant um, to things that our teams worked on using that discipline sprint. And I really want these as maybe some visual inspirations, frankly, for all of you, um, the, the big revenue, um, the, the, the other schools that are looking to get creative. These are wonderful examples of, of what, is, what has happened and our team has worked on. If you look at the top left, it's something that we actually just worked on um, on International Women's Day, where we did an analytics-driven strategy for a cricket match in Australia around women and different behaviors. And we set the record for the largest women's sporting event of this century with 86,000 attendees. Um, it was an incredible achievement um, of kind of making the impossible possible. And I think for you all with women's sports, really embracing building on this momentum, that's a wonderful case study and an inspiration of the spirit of community bringing people together. You'll see in the middle, um, that was from minor league baseball. Um, uh, in Charleston, South Carolina, um, there was an all-star game. They were about 60 days out. They were really struggling with the ticket sales and they needed an idea that could really um, enhance uh, the promotion of it. So since it was in Charleston, um, we looked at the opportunity, uh, since there's an aircraft carrier, to do something that has never been done before. And we did the home run derby aboard an aircraft carrier. Uh, I'm not sure if he's on the call, but somewhere in the audience um, is Eric Nichols from South Carolina, who made the trip um, as well. But what it allowed us to do was to create an event on around the event. And as a result of that, tremendous media exposure, an incredible community asset. Um, and the result of it is we sold out an event that 60 days out, we didn't think we could. Those are those things that you really want to start thinking about. Um, you guys are very familiar, hopefully, with the Makers Wanted Bahamas Bowl um, and, and really bringing that to life. Um, the Indy 500, they had never sold out before in their 100th. That was their goal, right? So uh, in their 100-year history, they had never sold that out. So when you reach that ambition and that discipline sprint, um, you have that ability to do it. The last one that I think is a great inspiration for you all uh, in the bottom left, this is something that a minor league hockey team, the Milwaukee Admirals, did. Uh, really for a community-based promotion campaign. Um, they use local heroes, first responders, as a way of promoting them with their ads, tied it back to a hashtag in a community-focused way, um, and got tremendous exposure. So when we think about all those community heroes, you know, how you can use your media in a different way and celebrate your community um, and create these campaigns, where you can almost nominate a local hero. We think that's a tremendous inspiration. Um, and then also a good reminder, have some fun with your hashtags because it gets people uh, socially engaged with, uh, with your audience. So um, trying to embrace this traditional world, this is how we build 
uh, an innovation strategy. So we talked about your department mindset. We also talked about your individual mindset. As you embrace this area of innovation and just the understanding that you're gonna do something that's never been done before, this is the framework. This is the offensive game plan that you wanna think about. Um, spend some time in a post-crisis um, world um, what does your athletic department stand for, um, for your fans, for your alumni? I want you to think about what is a risk that you're going to take that you've never done before um, in the immediate future. As you navigate towards that home opener, what's something that you can do that you've never done before? And here's what I would tell you. And I could share this with any of your athletic directors, your conference commissioners, We've done this with team owners um, as well in the NFL, NBA. If you do your job on those first two steps, people should feel a little uncomfortable. And that's a good thing. And that's why it's the third element of, of what you're going to go through. Uh, and then, frankly, I think if you, if you talk to those people that we were fortunate enough to talk to from those past crises, you guys have a unique moment to own a moment in time for your fans, your alumni, your student athletes, your community in a way that you haven't. So when you think about another homework assignment, um, really spend some time when we all come up for air and we exhale on this, what does your athletic department stand for in a new world? Um, what do you want it to? There is no playbook for this, so you have the opportunity to script the playbook. Um, and then what is a risk that you can do to really reach for the stars and do that in a way that you've never done. And I think you'll find yourself on your home opener, standing on the sidelines, looking around, feeling incredible personal as well as professional pride, knowing that you owned that moment in time. So part of that growth mindset, and, and um, I think what Dana was asking of embracing this, um, here's how we all are. Um, we all have different parts of our brain um, that we lean more towards. Um, I definitely lean right. Um, I'm imaginative, artistic, creative. Um, and, and then we've got different members of our team that are very logic, factual, um, linear, um, you know, focused. What I would tell you is, you know, when you embrace an innovation mindset and everything that's ahead for you all, the more that you can balance out light left and right brain thinking, the more successful you're going to be. So think about if you personally lean more way, find a tag team partner that balances it out and vice versa to be able to embrace this new mindset. So um, with that, I think we're right at halftime. I'll, um, uh, I'll turn it back over to Dana for any questions, and then we're going to get into our offensive coordinator strategy and how we're gonna attack and give you a framework for uh, your risk-focused uh, plan moving forward. Great, so Dan, I have one question that came through. Um, can you talk a little bit more about what filters or what do you personally um, use to decide if the next sprint or the next cool idea is actually worth going down that path? Yeah, great, great question. Um, uh, one of the things that we've learned, um, innovation to us is all about selection. Um, it's once you come up with that idea, having a process in place to have those checkpoints to know that this is the right one 
um, to go all in on. Um, and I think part of that is um, what are you trying to accomplish? What are the objectives? And almost having a litmus test um, to be able to challenge it. The other thing that I would really suggest is um, to have people that can help refine and advance, you know, that plan, um, you know, to be able to, to um, you know, help kind of narrow the focus and get it a little bit better. I think we're going to be in a more collaborative space where maybe some of those department divisions are broken down where it's less, this is a ticketing initiative or this is a marketing initiative or a stadium ops initiative. Um, this is a department initiative, and I think that's incredibly helpful um, to be able to do it. One of the things that we've created for NFL teams in brainstorming, and this might be incredibly effective um, for all of you right now, um, when you think about um, you know, working from home and working remotely, is they've created collaboration quarterbacks um, with each of their different internal departments as a way of refining and advancing ideas. Um, you know, so a really good example um, of that, we work with the Chicago Bears. Um, they celebrated their 100th anniversary and they had their collaboration quarterbacks that were set up cross-departmentally that were sharing um, goals and objectives for these innovation ideas. And one of their ideas was to present game balls to local high schools coming out of the Bears games um, you know, to, to give to that team. And then building on that, they, they started to create these gold balls for the 100th anniversary. Building on that, their community outreach, actually they held a practice at a local high school um, to build on it. So it started to plus up and refine these different uh, goals and objectives. And by the way, that's an NFL team holding a practice at a local high school as a way of embracing the community. So you think about the values of taking a risk, doing something you've never done before, um, and own a moment in time. I think that's a wonderful example, but it requires that selection to say, this is the one that we want to go all in on. And ultimately, let's then collaborate with all our different departments where it's an organizational innovation versus just a single department. Great. I have um, another question that's a little bit more tailored to a specific area, but do you have any suggestions for season ticket sales renewals and pricing in general um, from now through the June-July timeframe and, and any tips for administrators how they can remain compassionate for these households that may have lost jobs or a percentage of their income through all of this? Yeah, no, it's a, um, it's a great question, and, and we might touch on it a little bit with the offensive game plan. The, the one um, case study that we've really looked to, um, and be happy to dig this up and, and, and share that even with you, Dana, as well. Um, during the recession, um, uh, I'm going to get my dates wrong, but, um, you know, 2007, 2008, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, um, uh, they have probably one of the more blue collar uh, season ticket holder bases in the NFL. Um, and I think they lost a lot of their season tickets overnight and it was really due to cost. So they got creative um, with it and they created a monthly payment plan um, for season tickets. So they changed the way that they marketed it 
based on consumer demand. Their analogy was the cable bill. Um, if, if you got your cable bill and it was $1,500 for the year uh, versus, you know, 110 a month or whatever we pay, um, that was their psychology. So they flipped it. Um, I believe they also secured a sponsor, um, you know, for it as well. Um, as an example. So they made it a little bit more cost effective, um, you know, to be able to do. And I think those things, if you think more like a fan, um, and I think that's a good example of a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset as well. Um, but we can, we can happily have our team put together some other case studies or historicals uh, specific to that question as well. Great, All thank right. You. Well, I'll um, I'll um, we'll we'll go into the second half here, uh, or third down. Um, and I think this is um, um, a good place to be, right? So we've just talked about internally, um, you know, how do you evolve in this moment in time, and then also what are some lessons of just innovative strategies and and kind of the aspiration, um, your fans, your community, all really want their favorite college uh, programs um, to, to be there for them in a different way and do something they've never been done before. So how do you start to bring that to a new plan? Um, in a traditional world, we would always talk about ourselves as offensive coordinators. Um, and a good offensive coordinator uh, probably has this, his uh, first five plays set um, you know, coming out. And what we wanted to do for you as part of your spring practice, um, create your offensive game plan. What are the five things tactically learning from what we know, what we've learned, um, what you should be doing right now um, and create a framework for it. So um, this is a tremendous slide and you can have the ability to translate it uh, for your own organization, your own athletic department, your own conference. But we think this is a tremendous GPS for all of you. Number one, right now, how do you unite your community uh, and inspire philanthropy? We're going to walk through some ideas here. Number two, um, how do you create smiles? Pretty simple, right? Um, we want to remove fear. Uh, sports is a tremendous part of our lives, inspiration. Um, and I think these surprise and delight experiences that you can do, they don't have to cost a lot. They don't even really have to cost anything, um, but creating a focus for that and that is an aspiration. Um, I can tell you uh, the digital world, when you can start to create some revenue opportunities um, that didn't exist, call it on March 10th for your organization, um, your fans, your alums, and your potential fans are living off their devices. Um, I'm raising my hands guilty as charged um, uh, as we sit at home more than ever before. And I think there's some tremendous pivots that you can start to do to capitalize on it. Um, and then how do you start to embrace this new media and technology, um, you know, to connect with your fans in a personal way? They have such a personal connection with your schools and your conferences that you have that ability to do it. And I think if you do all of this, um, you're naturally going to be preparing for the return uh, in a unique way. And the minute you can put a flag on the ground, start calling that first play, you're going to be so much more ahead of the game in your discipline sprints. Um, so here's a couple examples. 
and the way we tried to outline this is really simple is uh, give you guys some inspiration um, and allow you to translate this to your own organizations in the best way possible. So number one, inspire communities, um, inspire philanthropy. Um, you know, there's some examples, um, you know, of it. Uh, to the season ticket holder question, um, MLS um, is putting the faces of their season ticket holders on their jersey as a way to encourage new renewals. Is there something that you have the ability to do that your fans are taking the field with you um, and tie it back to uniting your community, um, you know, tying it with a local charity um, or what it could be. Um, all these are other examples, you know, that have the ability to do it. So um, I think number one, how are you uniting your community? Also, how do you define your community? Fans, alumni, student athletes, um, potential fans, really think about that um, and then start to kind of build these inspirations and I know I can imagine like this MLS example, um, that was probably something to the stand for something, take a risk, make yourself uncomfortable. That's doing something that's never been done before. How do we do that with our Jersey partner? How do we manufacture that? Are we okay doing this? Um, all those questions were asked, but they ended up doing it. And there's a deeper connection that their season ticket holders feel with those clubs as a result. Uh, create smiles, remove fear. Uh, this one to the right is from a minor league hockey team, and it's just fun. Um, uh, they created a T-shirt called Puck the Virus um, that they were selling to their fans. Um, they were given the proceeds to help their team employees. Um, you know, anything that you can do to help people smile, um, anything that you've got, um, you know, in terms of extra equipment, things that you can think about, um, giveaways, virtual garage sales, we've, um, um, you know, heard uh, some teams kind of thinking about doing. Um, I think it's a wonderful opportunity to be part of your team's family life um, in a way. And then how do you create smiles? And I think especially for the youth um, and the parents um, of being there for them, maybe in a different way than you, you never have before. Uh, Number three, create valuable uh, digital inventory. Um, I had a conversation with an NFL team this morning, um, and I was asking them to look at their uh, content data and their video data um, year over year from March of 2019 to March of 2020. Um, they had more than 11 times um, the viewership for content um, in the month of March in 2020 that they did. There is never going to be a better time uh, for your institution to create any level of content, um, you know, that you can create for them. Um, we have also, uh, with a lot of these NFL teams in particular, um, you know, they have the challenge right now of doing make good inventory. Um, so they are using basically this process that you see called a fan network, where all of the data from the people that they're able to collect, serving them with ads um, on any device that you have to activate and digitally target. Um, we know we do a lot of this with schools, um, IMG College, um, and happy to kind of give this explanation. But I think it's just a really interesting time. If you're creating that content, capturing that data, 
how you can start to engage with your fans because they're going to miss you. They're not coming to spring practice this year. Um, they're not having the opportunity to come to other events. So if you can create this digital environment for them um, and then also start to create some commerce in there, you can start to get ahead of uh, some of your revenue goals. Um, these are some other things that I think we're seeing um, embracing new media and technology. So maybe think about some of the things that you were doing in a traditional world during this time and then how do you use a growth mindset and translate that to a digital space? So um, virtual town halls with coaches, virtual autograph sessions, unique social chats with legends. Um, we've talked to some schools about that, of doing that as a fundraiser, um, you know, getting donors private um, experiences virtually with, uh, with coaches. Um, we had one, uh, and I don't want to give away the team, but um, just in the spirit of collaboration, um, and sharing that NACTA represents of, um, you know, a cooking class with a coach while he's at home, um, you know, virtually to learn a secret recipe. Um, those kind of things, this moment in time gives you the ability to do that in a way you'll never get again. And it creates a lifeline with fans and it transcends sports. Um, uh, I'm not sure if Garrett Classy from Nebraska is on. Um, really encourage you guys to look at what Nebraska launched already. They created Huskers Homework, um, where they're doing daily uh, Nebraska-centric homework assignments through their website. And it's a really engaging way, um, frankly, for the Husker fans um, to teach their kids about Husker history um, and some of the lessons. And I think there's some really good inspiration that you all can take and, and apply it. And then obviously what we're all talking about here how do we prepare for the return, right? Um, and I think it's okay to be um, uh, have some fear. Um, it's natural. And I think once we get past that in our mind and use that discipline sprint, um, really think about that moment's going to be the greatest part of your career. Um, and how do you take advantage and be part of that hero moment for so many people? Um, that need you guys to lead with heart and mind. Um, these are some of the fun things that we've thought of. Um, that in the upper right is from an NHL team where they had um, kids uh, draw pictures uh, for the player intros. I think that's an easy thing to start doing, um, you know, for your local fans uh, in your local school districts to start doing that. Um, uh, I think even you know, those messaging um, of what you can do to prepare for that moment when people are going to, you know, want to be able to be there. Um, I think if you do your job, um, people are going to have this feeling of FOMO that they need to be at that first game. We learned that with the cricket match. Um, there was almost a feeling if you had a young daughter and you did not take her to this event in this moment in time, years from now, you would regret it. And I think for you all with your communities and what you can represent, um, how you go about doing that um, to bring it all together, that's definitely part of the return. So these are the five things. We're smart enough to know that you know your local fan base better than anybody. But what we wanted to do was give you a framework and a focus for your offensive plan. So before we take the field, we run that offense. I'll pause, uh, Dana, for any questions 
um, as we merge from third down to fourth down territory. Yeah, I was wondering if you could um, expand just a little bit about the Nebraska initiative um, as we're all, you know, for the parents who are on the line and, and tuning in, um, homeschooling our kids all across the country has been um, a huge topic these last couple of weeks. And so just kind of wondering how that Nebraska idea came to be um, and any any other details on that. Yeah, no, great, great question. And I think this was a perfect example um, of an organizational collaboration versus a department initiative. Um, in the case of the Huskers, um, uh, it was really inspired by their creative and emerging media department. Um, and then they worked internally um, with the football department, other student athletes, um, and they basically just launched it. It's a great creative. Um, if you guys um, just Google Husker homework, uh, you can see what they're doing. Um, it's very simple. It kind of takes that old uh, meat, uh, mead, um, spiral notebook visual with a Husker brand with a daily assignment. Um, they're very inclusive um, of uh, a lot of the sports. So um, today it's um, who's Nebraska's men's gymnastics coach. Um, uh, fill in the blank of Nebraska volleyball middle blocker Cali blank. So then they have to go online and find and research those questions. Um, and then there's geography, um, and it's really specific. Um, I would encourage you guys, don't overthink it. Um, I think in this environment, fast is better than perfect. And as a parent, um, you know, looking for ways to occupy your time, and if you can align it with something that uh, myself or my wife, Kate, are passionate about, even better. You talked a little bit about connecting, you know, with the community um, and the potential to profile, you know, um, youth sports and, and, and clubs and younger student athletes. Can you touch on just any potential compliance concerns that might arise um, if people explore that? Yeah, no, it's a good question. I, I, what we were thinking about there is, um, you know, there's going to be a void. Our, our son was signed up to go to um, uh, Denver University sports camp um, over his spring break. That got canceled, right? Um, I know DU is still looking to engage with young students like that, right? And young young youth sports. So is there a way to still connect with those people and work with those organizations, um, you know, to be able to do that? And are there unique ways for you to help? Um, uh, great point, Dana to be aligned with your traditional compliance. Um, but I think even finding ways and avenues to help, um, you know, they're hurting too. There's a hole that's there for them. Um, and as caretakers of the community, uh, what is the best way to be one compliant and then two, um, you know, also a great neighbor um, in all you do. All right. Well, I'll um, I'll advance. Uh, I don't know how I'm doing on my clock management uh, with the hour, but uh, to get to fourth down, um, we love this headline. Um, you know, usually this time of year, we're talking about who's the Heisman Trophy favorite. Um, a lot of the schools are, you know, working on all of that. And we thought about it in the spirit of spring practice. Um, 
from an external side, who's your Heisman Trophy favorite for your new strategy in this new era? Um, we really believe data is. Um, we have kind of a tenant that we use that your online behavior knows you better than you know yourself. Um, and how you start to use that data in a really compelling way for your go-to-market storytelling now more than ever um, with the amount of time people are spending on devices, um, really making data part of your strategy and how you can come out of it. So I, I had our analysts um, you know, pull a couple examples. Um, I'm also a Chicago Cubs fan. Um, so I love this quote, if the Cubs could have won a World Series by using data, um, I think it's a great inspiration uh, for all of us as well. Um, and thanks to Jed Hoyer from the Cubs uh, for that quote. But um, I pulled two stats. Um, uh, for me, OU symbolizes Ohio University, where I went to grad school. I'm sure there's a lot of Bobcats um, alums on the call. But we were thinking about ways that they could start to prepare for the return of football in a unique way. Um, and we started pulling data of people's online behavior um, that live within 50 miles of Athens, Ohio, what kind of music they're listening to right now on those devices. So um, we found it fascinating that 33% um, are listening to country music. Um, and how do we maybe create a, you know, country music, um, you know, festival or something like that in and around that return and use that as a behavioral strategy, um, you know, to get people that maybe otherwise wouldn't come to book in advance to feel good and be part of something greater uh, than a football game. Um, University of South Carolina, um, which is our very first uh, digital client that we worked with uh, many years ago, um, I thought this was interesting, um, starting to take a look at um, people's propensities, what causes are they sniffing around on Instagram, reading about how do you align with maybe some cause-based initiatives to be able to drive some short-term um, donation, but then also align it with maybe some ticket plans. Um, they are more likely uh, to donate to religious causes. Uh, they're very faith-based. So your ability to tie in a message, as well as some of these other learnings, I think these are those things as you go through this discipline sprint, let data trigger some ideas, use that right brain, left brain um, as much as you can. Um, in this example, these are two that we just traditionally work with um, as well. Uh, Navy football, uh, we've worked with for a long time and in uh, Baylor as well. These are two examples of some data sets um, you know, that we've been able to pivot on and tie it into an ROI, um, which I think is a great model for what you can be doing. So in the case of Navy, um, you know, they had some content uh, season with Navy football, which is very appropriate to what I was just telling you about your content strategy. Um, people that are viewing that take that data set and actually then start, um, you know, creating some proactive messaging um, you know, to be able to tie in a call to action. I can tell you, if you know the folks at Navy, their ROI on this is phenomenal. Um, and it's just another variable of capitalizing on it. Um, the Baylor example, if you look to the right, um, young alumni, and we learned this from South Carolina many years ago, was an underserved audience. 
and how do they sell football tickets, uh, frankly, to alums that live within driving distance to come up on a Saturday, and what are they looking for? Um, they want to buy a bundle of season tickets because they want to go with a friend. Um, they want free parking. And then selfishly, Baylor wants to get them into the Bear Foundation early. So there's a special targeted offer for young alums to buy season tickets. So those are things that happen in a traditional world. And now in this new world, with such a magnifying glass of data, how do you be able to capitalize on that? So um, I'll, um, I'll pause there for a second um, before we get into the, the closing thoughts. Any questions on the use of data and the understanding um, of basically how to do that in this moment in time to pull your fans' online data when they're viewing stuff about you more than ever before? Dan, what suggestions do you have for administrators to actually go out and find those types of helpful data? Um, it's a great question. There's um, there's a lot of uh, data tracking services, um, you know, that are out there to be able to do it. Um, we do uh, do a lot of that for uh, colleges and athletic departments um, as well. You want the ability to place a tracking pixel on your website so you can start to um, really kind of track your fans' behavior and where they go. Um, there's also some broad uh, search strategies that you can do. Uh, so if people are reading content um, about your school or university or athletic department, how you can start to um, you know, segment that. I think the big thing is how do you make it actionable? Um, and what are you looking to learn more about? Um, probably the thing that we think a lot about with data is what we call a fan DNA profile. And that stands for demographics, needs, and attitudes. Um, you know, your online behavior really knows how you're feeling towards the world. It's not just a demographic profile with your age, household income. So really getting to the needs and attitudes that your fan base is feeling, I think is really important um, in this moment in time. And just so, to piggyback off oh, that, how, how would you suggest capitalizing on this new technology and the use of data when maybe, um, you know, the AD or the senior staff is maybe a little bit old school and not as forward thinking or as open to it as some of the younger staff members? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a really good question. Um, I think, be happy to show um, some case studies and examples. Um, you know, that would be helpful. Um, I think when you start to look at this as um, you're not going to have the traditional spring practice to survey and data collect your fans, you're not going to have those traditional touch points to be able to do it. And I think position this um, that our department is going to move at the speed of digital, um, you know, this off season, and this is a digital parallel um, for us to learn more about our fans than ever before. Um, the line that I like to use a lot too, um, whether it's a uh, more veteran AD, commissioner, CEO, team owner, um, is frankly, there are probably more people that are viewing content about any college football team today that will then will attend all of your football games in the fall. Um, and we want to be able to capture that information to make smart decisions 
Um, and I think usually that gets their uh, visual attention um, uh, as well as the results of what schools like Navy and Baylor have generated as a result of that. All right, so we we opened, um, and we've been through four downs, right? Um, we opened um, with a home opener. Um, and in a traditional world, we do this exercise, and this one's gonna take on some new meaning today. Um, we like to open with, um, what is your biggest hope um, for your home opener? It's very aspirational, very ambitious. It's intended uh, to be that way. Um, and then in a traditional world, we, we like to end with, what is your biggest fear for your home opener? Um, I know for many of you, um, these are new feelings um, as it relates to it. Um, in a traditional world, um, it would be, I don't get the buy-in from my AD to take risks. I don't um, get the support uh, to have a new idea or um, they don't realize how hard our non-conference schedule is in the open um, to be able to increase our media spend for those first couple games. So those are very normal things. Um, and I would just ask you guys to be really honest with yourself. Um, and what are those fears? And what are the things that you can control? And, and, and what can't you control uh, in this moment? Uh, hope and fear, we've learned in a traditional era, are wonderful motivators. And I think the juxtaposition of this is incredibly important. So another homework assignment for you and your athletic departments and your conferences and your organizations are um, to discuss looking ahead um, to your return, what is your biggest hope and now what is your biggest fear? So we're ending our spring practice, right? Um, and uh, we've embraced this discipline sprint I love this quote to the right, um, uh, uh, you know, kind of a historical coach from Auburn. Reminder for those of you that are feeling overwhelmed, Goliath was a 40-point favorite over David. Um, there is no more passionate group of marketers that I know than the collegiate space. You guys can do this. Um, and here's your roadmap on the discipline sprint. Internal communication, that brutal honesty, the compassion, uh, the transparency. How are you going to change habits um, uh, moving forward? Embrace that innovation mindset. You have the amazing opportunity to re-script what your department stands for, what your programs stand for, and really personally own that mo moment in time. Uh, feel free to recraft our offensive game plan on those first five plays, but have a plan. Have an attack plan. Understand that data is your teammate. Um, and I do have a sense of humor here. I've been doing this on the four downs. I think you guys know me well enough that I'm a Missouri alum. Um, and just like uh, in college, uh, you know, football history, when Colorado got an extra fifth down against Mizzou uh, in 1991, um, I think we all could use a fifth down right now um, and, uh, and take the bonus. So uh, one of the things that um, – our team talked about is you're not going to have that usual, um, you know, coaches lunch, the camaraderie and everything. So um, we thought it'd be really fun. Um, that my team is having some fun with me being a Mizzou alum. Just have a little bit of a happy hour tomorrow. Um, chance to let today breathe. 
um, celebrate the extra fifth down that we all need. And really, frankly, in that spirit of Roger, um, Daryl Lanis, all our teammates at NACMA for creating this forum and togetherness, uh, just get a chance to uh, socialize a little bit. So uh, we hope you'll join us and couldn't be more grateful um, and thankful for all of you uh, for showing up today and um, all the leadership that you're going to show in the days, weeks, and months to come. And I promise you this, um, if you follow the lessons from today, the lessons from your predecessors at other crises, apply this mindset, use all these tools and the time to your advantage, um, you're never going to have a finer moment in your career um, than when you have that home opener when it comes and know that we're all giving you a standing ovation for being at the front line. So thank you. And I'll turn it back over to Dana for final thoughts and questions. Thank you, Dan, so much. We're um, closing in on the end of our hour here. So I just want to, again, extend NACTA's appreciation to Dan for taking us through this roadmap today and guiding us through the beginning of these unprecedented times. Um, and thank you all again for joining us today. Uh, as a reminder, the recording of this webinar will be made available to everybody who registered, as well as all NACTA and affiliates members via email and the NACTA Daily Review. Um, take care, everybody. Be well.